Well, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 2. Last week, we started the series on the seven churches in Revelation. Uh, We went over Revelation 1, just kind of setting the table last week as John was receiving a uh, 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 challenge, a call out from Jesus to go or or write this letter and send this letter to these seven churches that we're going to be uh, looking at. Uh, The first one here we're going to be looking at is the church in Ephesus in chapter 1 of I mean, in chapter 2, verse 1, and I want you to follow along with me as we read that. Chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men And you put to test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance, and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds that you did at first. Or else I am coming to you. And will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Father, as we look into your word this morning, we pray for your Spirit to speak to us clearly to be able to communicate through me what you would have us to walk away from, what nugget of truth you would have us as individuals and collectively as a church, Father. I pray that your spirit would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you remember last week when we talked about this, we, we, uh, we saw where John was asked to write down the things that he saw, that Jesus was going to show him. And so, and he also, as you see here in later verses, it says to, um, for those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. And one of the things I was saying at that time was that, yes, we have the Word of God and we want to live our lives according to the Word of God. But God is also at work around us and even in us. He wants us to see things that we need to be doing as well as listen for his spirit to tell us, to confirm things that are in the word of God. And and I used the example last week that we just don't go off and do things because we feel like it. All right. I don't want to go off and find a second wife just because I might feel like it. That's against the word of God. And so I know that just because I feel that's not the spirit leading me to do that. And so we have to balance these things out. We don't want to become so just book-driven that we leave the Spirit out of it. It's important that we allow the Spirit to speak to us through His Word in our lives. And so I want us to be thinking about this. As we listen to these seven messages or these seven uh, challenges to these seven churches, I want us to listen for that. Listen to what God might be saying. Look for where God is at work. Look in your own heart. Look around you and listen for what the Spirit might say. Now, we see here that in the very first verse here, he says he's to, to, to the church in Ephesus. And really, this is, the only, this is the church that we know the most about. 
Uh, the other six churches, we don't hear much of anything about. Laodicea is referenced in a few places, but for the most part, we don't know anything about the other churches. Ephesus, we have a really good idea of where, the, what, where they came from. If you remember Paul's journey back in uh, his second missionary journey around 52 AD, he shows up in Ephesus at that time. But if you remember, he was trying to get into Asia a couple of times. The Spirit forbid, did not allow him to go into Asia. And so he ended up going up through Macedonia and down into modern-day Greece and all that. And he took a boat over to Ephesus, and there he, he and Priscilla and Aquila, they uh, met some Jews. They started talking with them. The Jews wanted him to stay, but Paul says, no, I've got to get back home. I've got to take care of some things, but I will be back. This is in the Acts chapter 18. He says, I will be back. But he left Priscilla and Aquila there. When Paul comes back in, in Acts chapter 19 on the third missionary journey, he comes to Ephesus. And it says there that he's preaching and he's teaching for several months. When he gets there, he, finds, he actually finds believers this time. Priscilla and Aquila, surely they've been at work. They have been witnessing and sharing the gospel. They have been uh, telling them who Jesus was. They start gathering some believers. And, and Paul here is he in, in, in A.D. around 54 through 57. He is in Ephesus. And if you'll remember, in Acts chapter 19, he goes into the synagogue. He's teaching. There are people that are liking it, but there are people who don't like it. They're pushing back on him. They're, they're causing chaos. They're disrupting him. And he decides he's going to pull out. He's going to go into the school of Tyrannus or the hall of Tyrannus. And for two years, he teaches in the hall of Tyrannus, listen to this, so that the whole world of Asia hears the gospel. Everyone in Asia hears the gospel. That's a pretty good mission strategy and seeing it through and getting people involved. Because remember, we've talked about this before. Paul could not have done that on his own. He was training people and sending them out to do that. And so that's what the church of Ephesus was in his third missionary journey. That's who the people that were coming, not only from Ephesus, but people who were coming here to get the training and going back home. We know that Epaphras was one of these guys. He actually probably started the church in Colossae and probably started the other churches around there as well. And so Paul did that and then, but he left. And as he was going through the third missionary journey, he came back through and he met with the elders of Ephesus before he went to his, his last meeting with the elders. Remember, it was a, um, an emotional time. It was a time where he said, man, this, this is the last time you're going to see my face. And they were all, you know, Acts chapter 20, if you look through there. And, and, and so he uh, leaves and he goes back to Jerusalem. And then the, the next time we hear about the um, Ephesians or the, the church in Ephesus is in 62 AD. Uh, ten years after Paul was first there, ten years later in 62 AD, Paul's in prison and he writes the letter to the church in Ephesus, the letter to the Ephesians. And after that, we don't hear, 62 AD. Remember, John wrote this book of Revelation. This is around the mid-90s, 94, 95, 96, somewhere in there. And so this has been a while since we've heard anything. We're pretty certain we've, from, his, from just from historical documents that John actually came and was serving the churches in Asia in some capacity, whether he was the pastor there in the church of Ephesus or just all the churches as a kind of an apostle to all, the, all of them in that area. And that's why he ended up in Patmos on the Isle of Patmos because the Emperor Domitian did not like what John, John was teaching the churches there. He was teaching them, you know, Jesus is the only one to bow down to. There is only one God and all that. And Domitian was saying, hey, wait a minute. 
I'm divine too. I'm a God too. Remember we talked last week about the coin that he had that had the, the picture of the world. And then his, his son was sitting on the world. And there were seven stars around his son. as indicated divine nature. And it was inscribed on there on this coin that he had minted there. Uh, it said son of God. Which means he thought of himself as God. And Domitian, we taught, he did not wait until he was dead before he became divine. He said, why should I wait? All the other emperors, after they died, they became divine. I want to be divine now. And so he just kind of, and so he had this thing where when you, you bowed down to him. And John's sitting there teaching, you don't bow down to anyone but God. And so Domitian had him exiled to Patmos. And this is where we come to a place where we see uh, John is writing this letter here and Ephesians is part of it. it says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this remember last week we also said the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand it talks stars are the angels of the churches or that word is translated messengers more than likely it's talking about the pastors or elders it could be talking about the people who are delivering it but it is the people who are going to be reading this to the churches there all right the messengers that are there they're in his right hand and last week we talked about that right hand being the, the, the place of honor, of power, security, authority, all of those things. And so he's sending out the messengers to, and it says that to the one who is standing in the amongst the lampstands, we saw there where Jesus was standing in, uh, up in chapter 1 and verse 3, in the middle of the lampstands, I saw the one like the son of man clothed in a robe reaching to his feet, and it goes on to describe him. Jesus is amongst the churches. He is in the midst of the churches. He is not away from the churches. He is there amongst them. He is in the midst of them. And so we see right off the bat, he says, the messenger to Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you do, not or you do put those to test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. The church in Ephesians here, the church in Ephesus here, the Ephesians, they have, they have done some good things here. He said, man, I know your works. I know your perseverance. I know you've toiled. I know you have done. He is commending. He says, I know your deeds. You have done these things. Not only, that, not only did they have good, were doing good things, but they had good theology if they were going to refute any of these apostles or these guys that were coming to town and that were false prophets. If they were able to kind of refute them, they, their theology must have been good. And so, and so here he's talking to the church in Ephesus, and man, they, are, they, they have the knowledge, and they are busy doing God's work. And, 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 and even back there in Acts chapter 20, Paul, he, he, he actually warns the, those elders at the time. In Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 28, Be on guard for yourself and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years. He's talking about when he was there training them in the hall of Tyrannus, in the school of Tyrannus, that initial church plant that was there. And he matured them and growed them. He says, remember for three years we worked on this, and I did, I, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. 
So Paul, even back then, we're talking 40 plus years earlier, was warning them about all this. And all during this time here, Jesus is commending them for being able to point out who these false prophets were, or who these wolves were that Paul warned them about. They did not tolerate these guys. They did not put up with their nonsense. They did not allow them to come in and teach things that would be contrary to what the Scriptures teach us, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, whatever it is. They did not allow those things to come in and, and, and tolerate. They did not tolerate those things. They, Jesus here, he's recognizing the good that this church is doing. And, and, and even in verse, down below, if you look in verse 6, it says, And yet, yes, this I, have, uh, I do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I mean, here they're, they're hating the deeds of these people. Now, these folks, they were somewhat prominent in that day and time in that area. Uh, nobody really knows where they came from, or, but they do kind of have an idea of what they believed. Uh, they, were, they, they were self-indulgent. They kind of took grace to the extreme where they just said, you know, God's grace is so big. I believe in God and his grace is so big. I can do whatever it is I want to do. I can participate in what, and most of the time this had to do with sexual sins or anything like just sensual immoralities and all this kind of stuff. And so they were just kind of bringing this teaching into the church and it was perverse and it was anti what they had been taught. And here he's commending them saying, even you hate the teachings of these people. I too hate this. I too hate what they teach and what they do, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So he's commending them. He's pointing them out. He's, he's letting them know the church, church, you're doing some good stuff. But in verse 4, he says, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. The first thing Jesus did there was to recognize the good things that they were doing here. He is just he rejecting the bad. He's not, he, 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 he's just saying, you have left your first love. And we're going to kind of get an idea of what that might be here in a little bit. But I want us to just let that sink in for a moment. Sometimes we've been in churches, we've heard this message where they've left their first love and it's talking about their passion for Jesus. And yes, there's some truth in that. You, to do the things that God wants us to do, we have to be passionate for Jesus. But we can do things God wants us to do without passion for Jesus, right? We can do things. We can check the boxes. We can be mechanical about our faith. We can be incredible. Listen, I, as a pastor, I know out of all the years that I have been serving God, whether it's been overseas or in churches or whatever, out of all the years, it is nothing for me to sit down and put a sermon together. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I can sit down and write out within just a little while just a sermon that will pass. I can check the box and move on. But would that sermon, if I'm not seeking what God wants for the church, would that sermon meet your needs? Would that sermon direct us as a community of believers in what God wants us to do? I have, to, I, I have found that the more time I spend in praying and in searching the scriptures, even searching out wisdom from other people, the more time I spend in doing those types of things, the better prepared and I feel like the more relevant these sermons are. I can check the box. I've noticed that there was a time in my life when I would sit in worship service and I would sing songs. I can sing songs. 
Worship is something that is, it, it, is, it is about his worthiness of our pouring our heart out before him and all that. But there have been times in my life when I have sang the songs just because that's what was up there and that's because that's what they were playing. And I just sang along with them. And it meant nothing to me. I can check the box. I can be mechanical about my faith. I can serve God when it comes to the children and, 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 and back there and, 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 and doing the things. I can, I can love my neighbors and just mow the grass or pick up the, or, or, or serve them. But am I doing it because I have a passion for Jesus or I just want to be a good person? Because my passion for Jesus is compelling me to not just do good things, but to show them who Jesus truly is. Jesus didn't go in doing good things just to get a pat on the back. He went in doing good things to point people to the Father. He wanted to draw the attention of everyone he encountered to the Father. Is my attention drawn to the Father as I am singing songs and praise to him? I hope so. But there have been times when my attention was making sure that I sounded okay and I didn't bother the person in front of me. Anybody ever been there? Okay. Listen, that, that, that's, I've been around some people that that, that might be a, a, a thing to kind of consider. But our heart, and listen, I'm one of those. I can't carry a note in a cement mixer. And so there is no way I want to, and, and, and yes, one of the reasons why you see me either sitting way off over there by myself or sitting way up in the front because Baptists don't sit in the front. And so I just sit up here so I can sing loud and proud. I don't know if that bothers Ben and them when I'm singing, but, but I just sing, I, I want to sing loud and I want to be proud about it. But listen, it's more than just the words and the melody and, 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 and all that stuff. It is a heart poured out in showing him, showing the Father he is worthy of my attention. He is worthy of my heart. He is worthy of my passion. That's where it becomes more than just an academic exercise. And it becomes something to where we yearn for him, where we desire him. Not just, well, I think I'm going to go out here and help this person across the street. Good deed for the day. Boom, I can do what I want to do. No, it's more than that. Here, the idea here is that it's not just loving God or anything. We're going to see that it's also about the deeds that we do and how that, how that pointing us back to the things that we were doing before. And, and, and this is one thing I want you to see here. He didn't say that you lost your first love. He didn't say that the church in Ephesus lost their first love. He said they just left it. They just left that first love. I, I, I often think of when I, was a, when I was a backpacking instructor, we had to do all these kind of things with compasses and we didn't have GPS things back then. You couldn't just put a GPS thing and try to find your way to a certain point. It was more with compasses, direction, sun, and all that kind of stuff. And so, but I, I do remember that there was something about how if, if you got just one degree off, one degree of separation, that's not much. I mean, that's like, that much, you know, from right here, just a little bit, just one degree of separation off. That doesn't look like much when you first get started. And it might not be that much if you go on this journey from this point and, and that one degree of separation from here to the end of the building or from here down to a vine or, or anything like that. But, but I've not, what I've noticed is that one degree of separation becomes really big the further down that tr journey you're going on that one degree of separation. And, 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 and listen, I, 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 I'm taking somebody's words for it because I'm not smart enough to do the math on this. But if you were to just to take our journey with God, let's just say our journey with God is equivalent to a mile every day. All right? 
Our journey with God is equivalent to a mile every day. That first mile, you know, we might be far enough apart. We can still have a conversation. We'll only be like 30 yards apart after a mile. But you do that for a month. You do that for a month and you're almost a kilometer apart from each other. Just for a month. And the further, as you can see, the further you go on this journey, one degree of separation, the further and further and further and further away you get. And the idea here is that you've left. You've had one, even that one degree of separation is leaving. Right here, that one degree of separation. What is that one degree of separation? I can't answer that for you. I don't, I, I, I can, I've, I've pointed out some things in my life. That one degree of separation is just checking the box. That one degree of separation, is just, it could be a wide variety of things, but what is that one degree of separation that has caused us to kind of just to gradually walk away from doing what God wants us to do or being what God wants us to be? He says, but I have this against you, that you have your first love. But he, and he calls them to recapture the vision. Look at what he says in verse 5. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. And repent and do the deeds you did at first. He's wanting them to kind of recapture what they did. Remember from where you have fallen. Sometimes I will be in, uh, I will, and, and listen, I did this, I still do this a lot in, 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 my, in my marriage. Is sometimes I'll realize, man, I have not done things in my marriage that I need to do to maintain a healthy marriage or a marriage that's pleasing to God or, or something like that. I will, that one degree of separation at first and, 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 and over time, you know, I, I, Shannon and I both realize, wow, we, you know, there's, there's, there's some problems here. What is it? Remember back to that. Remember from where you have fallen. It's kind of like those mileposts in your life or remembering back. And I remember back, you know, when Shannon and I first met. And it wasn't like we just said, ooh, this is, wow. You know, when we first met. Matter of fact, I thought she was interested in somebody else. And, uh, but as we talked with each other, as we went out and started talking with each other, and I saw her heart to want, she felt like God was calling her overseas. And I was at a point in my life where I'm going, wow, God's calling me overseas too. Is this the one? And as we hung out and all that, and just fell more and more in love. And we started doing these little goofy things. You hang up first. No, you hang up first. Yeah, started, you know, I'd write these little silly poems, maybe. I don't know, or cards or something. Uh, what's funny is she's kept all these things, and the things she sent to me, I threw away. But it was just, it was just you know, just, just what, what, was that, what was I doing at first to express and show her my, you know, that... I'm interested. Man, I, I want to be a part of your life. I'm, I, I, you know, what is it? Now, this doesn't mean I have to, you know, you hang up first. I don't have to go back to that. But my heart, where was my heart? How can I show her my heart back then is not changed. It's grown. My, my love for you is deeper and more profound and all that. How can I show her and be, cons and, and that's the thing I want to focus on. Remember from where you have fallen. Remember and then repent. Wow, I have walked away. That one degree of separation, now I'm like 60 miles apart. Repent. What does repent mean? It's a military term. About face. Go back in the other direction. It's turn. Turn away from what it was, you were, you're, where you're going, and turn and moving back in the other direction. And so basically it is get back to repent, get back, and then what we want to do, we want to remember, we want to repent and we want to return to do the things that we did at first. I want you to look at what it says here. And do the deeds you did at first. When we go back to that previous verse. And it says. You've left your first love. 
But here it says, go back to the deeds. They're doing good things, right? Remember, he's commended to them. He's, he's telling them, you're doing good. Your, your toil, your work, your perseverance, your, your hating of the Nicolaitans and all that, your, 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 your scrutiny over these guys who come in and say they're leaders. You're, you're not just taking their word for it. You know what to look for and all that. You're doing good things. But return to the deeds that you were doing before. I've, here it is, 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 again, I can be singing the songs. I can be checking the box. I can be mechanical about my faith and the heart and the passion, the desire. Not just for me and Jesus, but for me and everyone around me. Toward you. What were the Ephesians doing beforehand? We talked about it earlier. When Paul started, when Priscilla and Aquila started leading people to Christ, there was a group of believers there. Paul shows up on the third missionary journey, and he starts to, for three years, he spends time with them, and all of Asia hears the gospel. And now he says, return, do the deeds that you were doing before. Your heart and passion for me was just not for how are you going to maintain what you have. Yes, you're doing good in guarding the doors and making sure wolves don't get in to, 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 to dis, disrupt the flock. Yes, you're doing good in doing some of the deeds and the perseverance and all that kind of stuff. But most of those things that we see there, it looks like that the church in Ephesus has turned their heart inward, has turned their eyes inward. They have started doing the mechanical checking of these are the things that we're going to do. And here Jesus is challenging him, go back, return to the deeds that you were doing before. And I don't know that he was saying, go back and do, open up the hall of Tyrannus and, and do things like you were doing before. I believe he's, he's saying here, you left your first love. Your first love was Jesus. And at that time, Jesus was wanting the word to get out. Jesus was wanting the, the gospel to get out to all peoples. And the church in Ephesus, especially Paul and all those like Epaphras and others, Priscilla and Aquila and, and all the others, they were instrumental in seeing possibly over 2 million people in two years hearing the gospel. Go back. Let that be your heart. Do the deeds that you were doing before where my honor, my glory, my will is done. Not just mechanically, but that you are passionately pursuing what I want you to pursue from the words of Jesus. Not David, but from the words of Jesus. Passionately pursue these things. Recapture that vision that you had. Don't just base it off of the, the, the list that you're going through or, or, or what else, but passionately pursue. Remember, repent, and return to the deeds that you did before. And he says this in the second part of verse 5 there, or else. And listen, that's never a good thing to hear, right? I remember my dad would say stuff like, son, go out there and mow that grass or else. I knew what that meant. It wasn't, it wasn't like, or else I'll give you some ice cream. That's not what that meant. Or else I'll give you some money so you can go out with your friends tonight or whatever. You know, the or else usually came with some kind of punishment to it. Here Jesus is saying, remember, repent, and return. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. 
What was that lampstand again? It was a reference to the church. Jesus is saying, I'm going to shut you down. He, the lampstand there is a reference to his light that is shining out through the church. We, he, he is the light of the world, and we, 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 we are a part of that only as Jesus is in us and works through us and affects the world around us. That is the only way that a church can be the light of Jesus as its members are becoming more Christ-like. And here Jesus said, I will take the lampstand away from you. Listen, Back in Matthew, when the disciples are going through Caesarea Philippi, and they're saying, you know, who do they say I am, and, 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 and all this stuff, and finally he asked Peter, who do you say I am, or, or asked the disciples, and Peter spe- speaks up, and, and he says, oh, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church. And what does he say? And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Nothing can destroy the church as long as it is built on that promise that Jesus, you are the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. He's saying that's what the church is built on. And once we start removing, once we start, once we start removing Christ from that equation, the church becomes nothing more than a social group that is gathering no different from a rotary club or anything else around town. We can enjoy each other. We can have fun. We can have potlucks and picnics and, and, and hang out and go to ball games and, in, and just have all sorts of things going on. But if Christ is not in the center of it, if Christ is not a big part of it, if he, if he is the only desire that we have in the church for us to grow, to be more Christ-like, and for the people around us, those who do not know him, those who have no idea who he is, for, to, to draw their attention to him and his greatness, then friends, what are we doing here? He's saying here to the church in Ephesus, I'm going to take the lampstand away from you. I'm going to shut you down. That, this is where he, be, he begins telling them, I will remove the church. I will not let this church. Listen, there, there are churches around. Like, as I said, I'm a, I'm a director of missions of our association around here, and I meet with pastors and other churches and all that. Since I've been here, one of our churches has closed, and that church did not have a very good reputation in that community because of the things that went on in there. And as I tried to work with them, I really tried to help them to kind of understand some things they needed to do to address in their church. They kept blaming, the community doesn't come anymore. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. Well, it's because of our pastor. Well, he's only been here two years. Seems like the community has been coming to your church for like the last 20 years. And you've had five pastors in the last 20 years. So you're going to blame it on all those pastors? They didn't want to look in the mirror themselves and realize they were the problem. They kept thinking a young pastor's going to come in and fix things for them. And it just doesn't work that way. The church eventually closed their doors. What kind of a testimony does that make for the glory of God in that community? The church was dying. Just imagine, it looked alive. No more than a tree limb you cut off and I bring in here and hold it up. And I say, hey man, it's still green. There's still some ooze coming out of this thing. There's some life in it or whatever. There's all this. But if I leave that cut off from that tree for a, long, a little while, what's going to happen? It's going to shrivel up and die. Jesus here is saying, I'm a, I will remove the church if you do not repent. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he says this at every one of the churches. All seven churches, he says, to him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying. 
To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To him who overcomes. Here, this word overcomes, is not necessary to go into the Greek or anything like that, but it is a good word because it, the idea here, to him who overcomes, the picture here is the one who is carried off in victory. All right, the one who has persevered, the one who is, it's not necessarily the one who wins the race. All right, it's the one who overcomes. I, I like this because it reminds me of the, how many of you guys have seen the movie Rudy? My, one of my favorite movies, all right, Rudy, I love that movie. And Rudy, if you know this character, he is like a no talent, no hardly any athletic ability at all, but somehow so, this guy has a dream of playing for the University of Notre Dame. A true story. And so he gets out there and he tries to, he, his grades aren't good enough to get into Notre Dame. He, he fights hard to, in, in a, a lower school to get up. He finally gets into school. He's a walk-on. He's on the practice squad. He's helping. He's getting beat up by the first team. For four years, he's being just bruised up and broken and beat up. And he still goes out there and gives it 110%. He's trying as hard as he can. He's doing everything he can to get to his dream of making the varsity team just one time is all he wants to put that varsity jersey and run through that tunnel one time. Toward the very end of the movie, he actually gets a chance to do this. And at the end of that movie, he doesn't play the whole game till the last couple of plays in the game. And at the end of the game, the team lifts him up on their shoulders and carries him off the field. And the story goes that that is the last time in Notre Dame history that a football player was actually hoisted up on their shoulders and carried off the field like that. Rudy was not someone who was winning a race. Rudy was not someone. Everybody would look at and go, wow, I want my son to have the athletic ability of Rudy. I want my son to have the intellect of Rudy. I want my son to, I, I would even say, they, I, don't, I don't want my son to go through what Rudy went through. Because listen, if you see what he went through in that movie, he was beaten up bad by these guys who were twice his size. Just brutally, just blocked and tackled and all that for four years. But he was an overcomer. To him who overcomes, to him who perseveres, to him who endures. I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Friends, as we look at this letter and here to the, this part to the church in Ephesus, I want us to see where Jesus is pointing out. He's, he's recognizing the good in them. He's pointing that good, that you're doing these good things, but this is what I have against you. Man, you have become mechanical. You, you have checked the boxes your heart and your passion and, and even your motives for doing it are not right. That one degree of separation has caused you to walk away from me, to leave your first love. And he's wanting them to remember, to repent and return to what they were doing at first. Not just the deeds, but with the heart that goes with that. He's wanting them to, he's, listen, Rudy would have walked away and quit from that if all he was there to do was to hopefully make the team. But he was passionate about it. He was willing to go through anything to make the team one time. Remember, repent, return. The, 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 the warning here is that if you don't, if you don't repent, I will remove the church from you. But the reward...
for those who overcome, for those who overcome, is to be carried off in victory, to be able to partake of the tree of life. Friends, the church in Ephesus, as I said earlier, the, the church in Smyrna, the church in Sardis, the church in Philadelphia, they heard this warning to the church in Ephesus. Remember, this, this wasn't just little portions sent out to each of the churches. This, is, this pertains to you, Ephesus. We're going to send this to you. No, this was one big thing, and it was sent out. So all the other churches heard what the challenge is to the church in Ephesus. And so no doubt, this hopefully spoke to some of them and, 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 and their situation. But this is specifically for the church in Ephesus. And I believe they are to remember what they used to be about when they first started. Back when they first, and as we as a church are celebrating 10 years. I've only been here a little over a year, but as we celebrate 10 years, what is it? Have we walked away from what we were first all about? I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I read stuff and all that, but I just, my challenge is that remember, if, you, if that one degree of separation has caused us to, caused you individually or caused us as a church to kind of walk away from the passion and heart that God had for this church 10 years ago, then what do we need to do to get back to that? What do we need to do to line ourselves up with that? That heart and desire to draw the attention of so many around us to him and his greatness. What do we need to do that? Many, most times, it's, it's not so much a collective thing as it is an individual thing. Us individually recognizing how far have we left? If Have we left? And how, if so, what do we need to do to return back to him? Heartfelt desire, not just to do not just to check the box, but a heartfelt desire to line our will up with his so that we might become Christ-like, so that he will do something in us, he will be able to work through us and affect a lost world around us. I want us to close our eyes right now just to spend some time as we pray, as the worship guys come up. I want us just to be praying and thinking about listening. Remember what we talked about See, look, look back. For those of you who've been here for a long time, for those of you who've been here for six years, five years, three years, whatever it is, look back. Even in your own personal walk in other churches, look back. Have you walked away? Have, have we, has there been that one degree of separation or, or more in our lives to the point where we have left our first love? We're still doing good things. You're, we're still coming to church we're still praying, maybe. We're still singing songs. We're worshiping. We may still be giving to the church. We, we may still be serving in some capacity with children or whatever. There's a lot of things that we could be doing, but are we doing it because it's expected? It's just a part of the job. Just spend some time listening to God right now. And I will close this out in prayer here in a moment, but just spend some time quietly listening to God.